Welcome to all healthcare professionals listening in today. My name is Camille and I'm a stenographer from Adelaide. It's Thursday the 6th of October 2022 and I'm currently online with a group of stenography experts from across Australia. Today's podcast will focus on informed consent in stenography. Shah et al. 2022 defines informed consent as the explanation given to the patient by the healthcare provider about the benefits, risks and alternatives of an intervention. The patient has to be competent to choose voluntarily to go ahead with said intervention. Health Direct 2020 states that the patient has the right to ask questions, have an interpreter, consider costs, recovery times and lifestyle changes regarding the procedure. My guests today are Chloe from Adelaide, Tamina from Melbourne, Omesh and Geeta from Perth, Caitlin from Ballarat and Georgia from Sydney. To start things off, we will hear from Caitlin. Can you explain to us the benefits of informed consent? Thanks, Camille. Informed consent basically allows patients to avoid any confusion, misunderstandings and anxieties when making a treatment decision. Vadat et al. 2014 found that involving patients in their own healthcare led to improved outcomes, a feeling of control over their care and an overall positive experience. So how can we allow patients to be involved in their own care? So Katz et al. 2007 explains that a key pillar in achieving this is by building rapport and allowing time for patients to ask questions. Think from a patient's perspective. How would you feel if you were to undergo an invasive procedure without being given this opportunity? That certainly should be a consideration for us all. So why do you think patients could be reluctant to ask questions? Katz et al. identifies barriers such as low socioeconomic status, poor literacy and low self-efficacy, believed to be derived from the patients believing the physician as the sole decision maker. I have come across this in my own practice. Often patients' answers will just be, oh, I trust you know what you're doing, or oh, the doctor just told me to come. It really expresses the need for healthcare providers to actively involve patients in their own care. This now brings us to our next topic, communication. Joining us is Chloe. Can you run us through what you found? Thanks, Camille. Informed consent is a means of communication between the patient and healthcare provider. Quick 2010 explains the importance of informed consent, a means of ensuring the patient can make a voluntary and educated decision. Still, communication can be a huge limiting factor. So, we need to ask ourselves, how can I truly gain informed consent? This involves the process of patient comprehension, patient use of a disclosed information, autonomy and how physicians meet the minimal standards for disclosure. While this generally takes place through patient involvement, at times there are limitations. For example, a patient that speaks a different language is a common limitation due to the communication barrier between the patient and physician. FORO 2017 highlights that this may prevent the information being adequately relayed to the patient with a comprehensive understanding. Another limitation is overwhelming a patient. This may be a result of overloading the patient with information, causing them emotional stress. And if a healthcare practitioner were to have issues in communication, what can help them overcome these? While informed consent has its limitations, certain approaches can aid in the process. The paper previously discussed by Quick explains that these include speaking slowly and clearly, providing accurate information, ensuring the patient has support, providing a translator when needed, and allowing patients to ask questions. With all these steps taking place, healthcare providers can improve patient communication to ensure the patients know the options, risks, and benefits of the procedure. 
Previously, we discussed the benefits of involving a patient in their own clinical decisions. We will now pass you over to Omesh, who will expand on this by discussing how it can impact you legally as a healthcare practitioner. Thanks for joining us, Omesh. Thank you, Camille. A discussion paper from the Australian Society for Ultrasound in Medicine from 2018 states that informed consent protects the patient's ability to decide on treatment or procedures based on their personal circumstances and preferences. The ASA Code of Conduct from 2020 reiterates that this may encompass a patient's culture, values, beliefs among their personal priorities and experiences. The Australian Commission on Safety and Quality in Healthcare Standards from 2020 detailed the legality of informed consent, explaining that a person has the legal capacity to make a particular decision when they can do all of the following without coercion and voluntarily. Understand the facts, treatment and consequences of the treatment. Retain and recall details that have been explained. Weigh up the consequences and be given the choice to refuse. And what about negligence? We hear of so many sonographers facing legal action. How can this be avoided? So informed consent upholds the patient's autonomy and can also protect them from assault and battery. The ASUM discussion paper also explains how negligence in documenting consent can result in disciplinary or legal consequences for the practitioner, especially for invasive procedures. Sonographers must consider the patient's capacity to provide consent and attempt to bridge any barriers to gaining consent where possible, such as providing an interpreter. This links to the sonographer attribute of accountability. This now leads us to considering what if the patient cannot consent? Here to discuss this is Georgia. Thanks for joining us, Georgia. Can you please explain to us in more depth what would happen in this situation, as I think it is quite an important topic. Thanks for having me, Camille. Yes, it is quite an important topic. Not all patients will have the capacity to be able to give informed consent for their scan. These patients could be children, intellectually impaired or non-English speaking patients. As per the ASA, when a patient cannot provide informed consent, an adult witness such as a family member should be present for the explanation of and during the exam. If the patient does not have someone that can do this for them, another staff member or interpreter should be present. So what would a sonographer do if they find themselves in a situation where the patient can't consent? There are some circumstances where consent is not needed, such as in a medical emergency. If an examination is conducted when the patient cannot consent, it must be documented that the examination was completed without the patient being competent to provide informed consent. This leads us to ask, what if the patient refuses the treatment? Our guest sonographer, Geeta, has experience in this field. Hello, Camille. Based on the ASA Code of Conduct, consent may be withdrawn at any time without reason, so the patient has the right to reject the ultrasonic exam. As a practitioner, you need to determine whether the patient has the capacity to decline the treatment. Though they understand the consequences of declining the ultrasonic exam, best patient care must be ensured. How do we implement this in practice? Collaborative patient-centered care. Based on experience, understand why the patient rejects the ultrasonic exam, you know, ask them if they have any concerns, you need to pick up on the non-verbal language. Within your scope of practice, try to alleviate the concerns. Remind them why we are doing the ultrasound exam. Um, collaborate with people involved in patient care. The requesting clinician is a major ally. Documentation is essential. Justify the, the decisions you made. Do we need to disclose alternative procedures to obtain informed consent? If it's in the patient's best interest, yes, you should. Work within your scope of practice. If it's outside your practice, collaborate with others. For example, ask the radiologist if you believe a CT is more appropriate than an ultrasound. 
Next, we have Tamina to explain the risks involved for a healthcare professional if informed consent is not obtained from the patient prior to any procedure. Thank you so much, Camille. Informed consent is ethically very important in a medical practice, hence there are risks involved when unable to gain that from the patient. As clearly stated in medical bylaws that all medical providers cannot subject patients to certain treatments or tests without valid informed consent. Any sort of medical treatment without valid informed consent is considered a criminal offence and the practitioner can be charged with battery. Situations such as treatment against a patient's will or receiving a different treatment than the one consented for all come under an offence of having an informed valid consent. According to the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act 2017 in Victoria, the patient has been given the right to be free from medical treatment without consent. However, there are limitations to having the valid informed consent. In situations such as patients lacking capacity due to an acute or chronic illness such as unconsciousness after an accident or dementia, a doctor must act in the best interest of the patient. From a sonographer's perspective, if a patient refuses to get an ultrasound, we cannot proceed further with the test without their consent. This brings us to the end of our podcast. The take-home point is that informed consent is the patient experience. We need to put ourselves in the patient's shoes. Does the patient believe that informed consent was obtained? Informed consent is a legal, ethical and professional obligation. We implement informed consent by practising collaborative patient-centred care and being evidence-based practitioners. Thank you to our experts and as always, thank you for listening. Till next time.